live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Threw my head to cover the net and go around it. On the way back, and Weber scores! No one stops that one. one nothing Montreal. Weber gets the goal. This is the Press Box. Stop that up, and then gives it away. Weber will fire scores! The captain has the eggbreaker in game six. With Grady and Bischoff. One-timer blocked, and that hurt Erickson Eck, and he is slow to get up. That stung. Drouin. Weber, one-timer. Oh, yeah. And same player, Erickson Eck. Stung twice. Picked up near boards. Do it again. Eck again. ESPN Las Vegas. All right. How about those highlights? How come you didn't pull any Shea Weber Golden Knights highlights? Yeah. Those you know what? Like Montreal. They, that would have been Nashville. easier than going all the way back to Montreal. I feel like those highlights were just too good. We couldn't play on air. <laughs> you know? How long did you spend finding Shea Weber highlights? Longer than I thought I was going to. <laughs> There's a reason why the last set of highlights was three shots straight into Arison X legs. And they weren't actually goals. <laughs> Good work, Danny. Felt cheated it. yesterday. You felt cheated. Yeah. By what? Not enough snow. Just got oh, some dusting. Come Just got, on. Got some dusting. Wanted it to stick for once in a while. No, Me you too. don't. Yes. Oh, I it love stick it. For once you in a while. don't want it to stick. I really do. Snow sucks. Oh, it's done. No, no it's it doesn't. great. Love snow. Watch it's fantastic. Out. You guys have lived here too long. Snow sucks. It's beautiful. Nobody wants to live where it actually sticks to the ground. Yeah, I do. For a while, I don't like you know. I don't want to live where Lindsay comes from in Minnesota. I don't want to go through that or that nonsense. That's what you're I'd asking like a, for. I'd like a day of it. I'd like a day to walk around, slosh around. You don't even want that. It just gets dirty and wet and gross. My bulldog wouldn't like it. Yeah, nobody, nobody actually likes. Snow. Bulldog might be the smartest person. In the house yes, because both, because both Bonnie and I wanted it to stick <laughs> just for a little bit. Listen to your bulldog. Smarter than you. <laughs> That's true. The first bite. Will Shea Weber get a statue outside of T-Mobile Arena? Well, he might before Mark Andre Fleury because Fleury just got <laughs> traded and he left. And I always thought Fleury would get one. To tell you the truth, had he stayed, I bet he would have gotten one. I like. I always thought that guy would be the first to get one. But now I'm kind of uh, walking over to Shea Weber a little. Shea he's actually Weber. he's actually done something for the money wise a little. So if you backtrack here. Shea Weber, the the when the Golden Knights acquired him, it was during the offseason, and the Golden Knights traded Evgeny Dodonov for Shea Weber. And that was it. There were no draft picks or anything else involved. It was just those two players. Because if you remember, back at last year's trade deadline, the Golden Knights tried to trade Evgeny Dodonov to well, a team that was on his no trade yeah, list. Yeah, the old Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> and then the the league office Forgot his no trade list. Whoever forgot it, they were like, oh, wait, he's got a no trade list and Anaheim's on it. So they couldn't trade him to Anaheim during the deadline. They ended up shipping him off and getting Shea Weber in return. But here's Shea Weber. He's not playing hockey anymore because of injuries. No, he's hurt. Um, he's really just a contract. Yes. That somebody in the NHL has to have count against their salary cap. And after this season ends... There are three more seasons on Shea Weber's uh, contract at a $7.8 million cap hit. And he's not going to play hockey. 
So somebody has to eat three more years of 7.8 against the cap. And the Golden Knights traded for that contract. They did it because they were going to go into long-term IR. And the more space you have, the better it is for you. But now they've traded him away. They gave up a fifth round pick as well. They got back an AHL defenseman and Dyson Mayo. And the whole purpose of this was so that they have a little bit extra cap space in the off season. Not right yeah, now. Not right now. It doesn't, it doesn't change anything. affect anything that's coming up in what a week. Yeah. Trade deadline is March, whatever, next week. What it does, or two weeks from now, I think. But what it does is it allows the Golden Knights either to sign somebody in the offseason. With term. Or trade for somebody right now that has more than one year on their contract and not be in a terrible situation when the summer comes and, oh, wow, we're $30 over the cap or whatever that number would have been. However, the interesting part is next year's salary cap is projected to be $83.5 million. The Golden Knights already have $80 million in salary. Like, this is not like, oh, they suddenly have a whole bunch of money to spend. They're already almost at the salary cap. So any move they make that's like a $5 million player or something like that, they're still going to have to do something in the offseason to figure out the salary cap. I mean, what this... So what you're saying is he was on long-term IR, right? Yes. So his money wasn't counting in the moment against no, anybody. Yeah. He's like Mark Stone. Because they have Stone and because they have Leonard on long-term right. IR, he was just he was just yeah, on it. It didn't really count against the Golden Knights cap right. this year, which is why they traded They traded for him because Leonard was going to be but on long-term But they can trade IR. for someone now next week with term on their contract. I mean, they could have done that anyway. This just allow, This just makes it easier to navigate once they get to the offseason. Because if they trade for somebody, like, as an example, right, the Golden Knights are uh, Elliot Friedman linked them to Tory Krug, who's a defenseman, by the way. We can get into that. But Tory Krug has a $6.5 million cap hit, but he's under contract for four, four more, more seasons. seasons. Yeah. So if they could have traded for Tory Krug at the trade deadline without moving Shea Weber. Would have been no problem. But when they would have gotten to the offseason, they, they would have been at, like, $96 million or whatever that they had number to do would a lot have been. Of things to get down. Yeah, at an $83 million cap hit, and they would have been locked into the Tory Krug deal plus Shea Weber and every other contract that they have, and they would have been offloading pieces like they did with Max Pacioretty, trading yeah. guys away for literally nothing just to get under the cap. By moving Shea Weber once we get to the offseason, they're not going to have a lot of cap space, but. They're not going to be 10, 15, 20 million over where they have to move guys just to get under the cap. They might still move guys to create space so they can do something else, but they're not going to be a situation where they have to trade somebody just to be compliant with the NHL. So that it's much more about this trade is much more about the the summer. summer and what it allows them to do. But if we read into it, I took away from them making the trade that they are very interested in trading for somebody next week. That is not a rental. Patrick Kane's a rental. You could have traded for Patrick Kane off season comes, let him walk. No big deal, but you don't need to make this trade. If you're trading for Patrick Kane. No, because he's, he, he, his term runs out and you don't have to worry about his salary next year. Right? So this to me implies the golden Knights really want, to trade for somebody that has more than just this season on their contract, somebody that has multiple years. And I don't know who that is. Maybe it's Tory Krug. Uh, Elliot Friedman wrote, the Golden Knights have a full defense corps, but 
when I heard St. Louis would consider moving Tory Krug, I wondered if there's any chance this is a fit. Krug's got a history with Bruce Cassidy, and Vegas might like a one-timer option on a middle-of-the-pack power play. Um, He's got four years left. I cannot imagine the Golden Knights trade for Tory Krug, though. I mean, he's aren't they pretty set at defense? Technically, yeah. you could say, hey, we're going to move Nick Hague, and, and we need another defenseman or something like that. Cause they, but if they don't make any moves, they've got six defensemen. Right. And... You know, Elliot Friedman wrote about they'd like a one-timer option on for the power play. No, I think they need anything on the power play. <laughs> but Tory Krug has five goals this season. This isn't like, oh, you're bringing in an awesome offensive defenseman. You're bringing in a guy who's got five goals this year and a $6.5 million cap hit and is 31, 31 years, years old, old with four more years right. on his contract. You're not trading for somebody who's entering their peak. You're trading for somebody who's exiting. He's on the peak. other end of it. And you're paying for another four seasons yeah. of it. So that one to me, that would only make sense if the Golden Knights intend to trade one of their other defensemen. And even mm-hmm. then, it probably still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Not a younger guy like Haig. I mean, if they if they moved Haig, like let's say, for example, they moved Nick Haig to get Patrick Kane or something because the Blackhawks are like, well, we want Haig in return. And then the Golden Knights said, okay, we're adding Kane. I don't know if they have enough cap space to do this. They probably don't. But we're adding Kane, and then we're adding Tory Krug. Then you say, okay, they needed somebody as a defenseman because they moved Haig. But I don't know, that's, a, that's a lot but of salary. But you're still taking on four in. years. Right, which is I mean, a they, lot for 31 years They old. traded for Shea Weber, who wasn't going to play again, who right. had four years left on his right. deal. At least Tory Krug would Can play. play. So in reality, it wouldn't actually be that bad. Of a deal. So I, I'm just curious to see what they do because this makes it more likely that they trade for somebody with multiple years and not just a rental like Patrick Kane would have been just a rental. Or the other interesting option, um, the athletic wrote that Timo Meyer, the Golden Knights are a front runner for Timo Meyer along with New Jersey and Carolina. Now, Timo Meyer is a free agent after this season, but he only has a $6 million cap hit for this year. He scored 31 goals for the Sharks. He had 35 last season, and he's 26 years old. Meaning, you trade for Timo Meyer, a 30-goal scorer. You're probably giving up something really good. And if you trade for somebody who's you know at his peak or entering his peak, you're probably going to want to sign that guy. Yeah, you want to sign him long-term. So presumably, if they now, if they were to trade for Timo Meyer... They would then, you know, do the Max Pacioretty thing where they trade for him and announce the extension immediately situation. And even though he doesn't have it on his contract right now, you trade for it and you give him the extra years and you're good to go because you traded away Shea Weber. So maybe it's something like that where they go get Timo Meyer and they're good to go. Which, by the way, let me ask you this. If you're the San Jose Sharks, do you trade a 30 goal scorer to the Golden Knights? Not if I can get as much from New Jersey or Carolina and get them out of the division. So you think this is a scenario where I mean, Vegas would have to pay more? I think they'd have to pay more than Jersey or Carolina to keep him in the division. Should make I, if I'm San Jose, that makes sense. Like them having teams in the East that want him, yeah. is very good for San can Jose. Can move him there, yeah, because because then you can go back to Vegas and say, listen, here's what Carolina offered. You have to do much better than that right. to land him, and the Golden Knights might say. Okay, we will do much better than or that. Or no thank you. Right, one way or the other. But I, that to me would be, that's probably the best player the Golden Knights can trade for. A 30-goal scorer who's not over 30 and 
is making six and a half million this year. That's a guy I think you can easily say would come in and actually help the Golden Knights, right? Yes. He can immediately play on the wing with Jack Eichel. He can immediately and, go to the top line. Right. And that's, it's not, oh, is Patrick Kane going to regain his form from five years ago? It's no, this guy's good right now. Patrick Kane is uh, playing well enough to where he wants to move, get moved now, huh? Not against the couple Golden more Knights. last night? His, listen, his last three games. Did he have a couple more last night? I think he, so. His last three games, <laughs> terrible against the Golden Knights, great in the against other two. everybody. I don't think he wants to come to Vegas. He would have played much better if he wanted to come to Vegas. <laughs> Hell, he had an assist on a Nick Wall or a Keegan Colasar goal. <laughs> he passed it to Nick Wall, who then found Colasar. He found Colasar. Maybe he does want to come to Vegas, and he's like, "Let me help you guys out here." But he's not any good against the Golden Knights. The other two games, he's like, "All right, best player in the league. I'll, I got this, guys." <laughs> so we'll see what the Golden Knights do. But uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun with this team when it comes to acquisitions because they never seem well, look, to stop. There's no way a deadline's going to pass without them doing oh. something. No chance. Start they're doing something. Next you week. can start ordering your black reverse retro Patrick Kanger. Yes, just they're so doing. You can something. already order it. They're it, doing something. I guess we'll figure out what number he is when he comes here. But start ordering it black reverse retro with Kane on the back. Maybe it'll be eighty-eight. Who knows? But you can order it now. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Aaron Rodgers has emerged from the darkness. And Bischoff are back on the press box. Good work, Danny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Danny, Danny walked back into the studio six seconds ago. <laughs> You've been sprinting in and out of this place for a long time. Yeah, it was, uh, well, today I kind of fell behind trying to find those great Shea Weber highlights, so I'm just trying to fill the rest of the show, so i got to use our long commercials. Now, on a 7 o'clock show, what time do you wake up, Danny? I wake up at 5 o'clock. Wow, I'm a late guy. Uh, lately, it's been slipping to like 5.15, but I try to be up at 5.00. You? Yeah, 530. 530. Yeah, 545 sometimes. Yeah. Come on, Danny. Get it together. I'm slipping. All right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has emerged from the darkness. Uh, ESPN has a story. They talked to Scott Berman, who runs the facility. By the way, Scott Berman and Aaron Rodgers' inner circle. Was this guy supposed to speak? I don't think so. I don't think he understood there is an inner circle, and he just said, hey, a reporter's calling me. (laughs) Um, So... Here is, according to ESPN's story, uh, Berman told them that where Rogers was was a 300-square-foot room. Um, it's partially underground, so it's devoid of light. There's a queen bed, a bathroom, and a meditation mat. It's fully powered, and the lights can be turned on from inside. So Rogers could have turned the lights on. Yeah, if on he wanted to. If Maybe he, he did. wanted to. Um, he apparently left yesterday. Uh, I found the website of the company that runs these retreats. It's called Sky Cave Retreats. Okay. Um, They have three different rooms or houses, whatever you want to call them. Different facilities or is this just the one? So one of these three different ones is a cob slash straw bale cottage. I don't know what that means. The other two are hobbit cottages built into the hillside and are fully buried in the earth. I think that's where Aaron I think Rogers that's where was. he went. <laughs> is it is the only one in Oregon? Uh, I don't know. I think they're all in Oregon. Um, according to their website, we will bring you two simple organic meals daily. We bring both meals in the evening to minimize disturbance, <laughs> which doesn't sound great. Um, 
The food will come from our abundant gardens and fruit trees. Both of these meals will be delivered through a double door around sunset. So you're just eating fruit for however long you're right. in here, it sounds like. Um, this is uh, not great. Is there hot water? Do you think there's hot water in this cabin? Well, the kid's got a bathroom and a shower. I'm assuming there's some hot water there. I'm there sure is. Got it. Yeah. There is hot water. Yeah, I'm assuming um, there's hot water. So, yeah. Uh, will I ever hear people while in the retreat? No. The dark retreats are totally soundproof. Some serious hallucinations. <laughs> so what do I do in case of emergency? If you ever feel that you need additional support, there will be a bell inside your dark room that you can ring when we come to deliver food to let us know you are wanting some additional attention. The cabin is nestled in the woods on a mountainside a quarter of a mile away from any other structures on the land. So what I'm reading from that is if you have some sort of emergency... They can't help you until they bring you your meal. I mean, obviously, there's a way to get out if you just wanted to walk out. I guess, but what yeah. if you can't walk? What if the emergency is you? <laughs> You're waiting around all day. There will be a bell inside your dark room that you can ring when we come to deliver yeah, food. That bell, you should have someone on site 24-7 in case <laughs> someone rings the bell at 3 in the morning and says, hey, there's something going on with me. You better get in here. And they only deliver food once a day. So you imagine they deliver the food and like 40 minutes later, you've got some emergency. You I mean, got you're 23 keeping this hours. Food? Is there any kind of refrigerator in there? You're keeping this food all night. You're probably not eating both meals at once. Yeah, you might need to to stay sane. And it also says that the heat is by firewood. Ooh. That could be a little tough if that, you're out no, in the that mountains. Could be a little, with snow. That could be a little dangerous, actually. Inside, something happens. You're ringing the bell, catches on fire on that yoga mat, <laughs> meditation-like mat. Oh boy, what a, what a great job by Aaron Rodgers! How did he find this place? Egg, can you see these pictures? That actually looks like a half-decent apartment. Is that one of the rooms? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's 300 square feet. All right. Eh, you don't need much room if you're by yourself. <laughs> All right, it looks it looks like a decent room. looks like a decent room. You, you probably, also won't see what the room looks like, though, because it's you're dark. Probably, probably paying to, <laughs> to do this. I uh, wonder if you're paying a lot to do this stuff. Here's a quote from the guy who runs this. The dark has become my most beloved teacher and a space where I am in an ever-deepening connection with eternity. I tend to spend the majority of my time laying down, welcoming all that appears as I soften and rest into the simplicity of being. That's the kid who wasn't supposed to talk? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going back. That kid wasn't in the inner circle. He, well, he might be now. He's was bringing him food for two days. It's the only one in the inner circle. Uh, so, yeah. Also, is this guy really just a brilliant, like, con artist? For having people actually show up and do this? He runs a company. What is their overhead? Like, they have three tiny houses, cabins, built into the Built into the uh, They're mountains. tiny. They do not serve them real food. Their electricity bill is going to be damn near zero. Well, and like what they have to supply water? Electricity bill. This more is than like mine. running a hotel, but you don't have to give the people yeah. staying there anything. So the cost of this place for seven days and six nights is $1,350. And oh. you have to pay half of that as a deposit. And he only stayed three or four days? Yeah. 
Yeah, so he's probably I, half that. Seven hundred so bucks. Yeah, I actually thought it'd be more than that. I, I actually thought it'd be more than that. I thought well, like that he would have not tricked people. Well, maybe tricked people into thinking that <laughs> this needs to be a lot more money than what you you what you would think it was. I that that's more money. That that I thought it'd be more than that. If for three or four days, I think the problem would be that even if you were like, "Oh, this is a big deal. You need to go into a darkness retreat." You'd be like, "Well, what am I paying for, dude?" Like, you just- yeah, but Rogers is such a weird dude. <laughs> He's such a weird dude. I mean, obviously, he could have paid anything. Here, here's the thing. If I'm the guy who runs this Sky Cave retreats, once Rod, once I got Roger's last check, I'm talking all about this. I'm talking to every media outlet I can I find. I might be putting a picture of him playing football on like the That's brochure. Right, because on listen, the next brochure, look who we got to come. Uh, yeah, this is this is free advertising. I'm sitting here telling you all about Sky Cave retreats, right. even though I'm making fun of it. There's gonna be someone out there that's like, that sounds like a good idea. I need well, to get, Aaron Rodgers did it. I need to get closer to yeah. eternity or whatever the hell that guy was doing. Like, whew, Sky Cave retreats. Aaron Rodgers has emerged. Man. But what has he emerged with? Who knows? Nobody has the any idea. The clarity of what he's going to do now? The clarity. Did he, did we know? Did he, did he come out early or did he make it all four days? Because he uh, left yesterday. I saw that he went in on Monday, so I think he only did like two days, maybe three. So if he went Monday, in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, today's certain the three days probably. Yeah, depending on what time he went in and came out. Yeah, two days, three nights, or yeah. he didn't even make it all four. Oh no. man, he must have came to oh. pretty quick. He knew what he was doing. He didn't make it all four days. I don't. You think don't. So. You don't get to be the weird guy in the NFL talking about how great this darkness retreat's going to be, and then not make it all four days. If he went in on Monday. You don't get to make it. You do not get to be the weird guy and not do all four days. So can we uh, can we get listeners to pull in and I'll go do this? And I'll test it out. Danny, you'd go do this? Oh, yeah. He's the one when we first talked about it was Danny, like, be, this sounds great. If it's anything like this studio, you'd be running in and out of the door. <laughs> yeah, but up there, I don't know. I don't think I'll be able to run the radio show up there. It's probably against the rules. <laughs> I don't think they have Wi-Fi. They're frequently oh, asked I questions. highly doubt it. No, he wasn't on his phone. Their FAQ did not have anything about Wi-Fi. What would be the hardest part of that? Well, I guess uh, the darkness. Looking at it, probably the food. It doesn't look that great. <laughs> you get fruit. <laughs> it, the food. All organic, grown on the grown on the uh, property there. Yeah, it's vegan, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, raw, organic, dairy-free, nut-free, sugar-conscious. Oh, hold on, hold on. We do have Wi-Fi and are able to use our cell phones Ooh. to make calls. They can use phones? Apparently. That's right. a little strange. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Tim Miles of San Jose State joins the show. Back to the Finley Toyota Studios for Granny and Bischoff on the press box. Danny is killing it this morning. I know. Uh, we do not have Tim Miles. Uh, hopefully he calls in. If he does, we'll, uh, we'll talk to Tim Miles. But... In the meantime, uh, last night, Boise State beat New Mexico. Uh, I was not aware of the spread of that game, but you guys are telling me that in the last nine seconds, Boise State missing two free throws and, and then New, Mexico New Mexico hitting, hitting a three, three covered it. Covered it. That's impressive. If New Mexico six, right? That wasn't the number six. Five and a half is what I just saw. Yeah, and five it, and a half. They were up by six, I believe. They missed eight. the free throws. No, five and it's five and a half. Boise's up eight. Yeah, because they missed the missed free, throw. oh, okay. free throws. And New and Mexico, Mexico hit throws a three, in a three to get within five. Pretty wild. Like, uh, 
If only Danny had bet on it. If only. Would have been fun. It wouldn't have. Would have been fun either way. If you'd bet on New Mexico to cover. I have lost a bet on a last second three, and it is not fun. It happens. It happens. Um, So Boise's a game back right now. 13-2 and San Diego State, 12-3 and Boise. They play next week in Boise. And uh, Nevada's just hanging out with the easiest Nevada's schedule remaining. 11-4, like, two back. Yeah, like Nevada could win it just by being just by winning games against the bottom of the Mountain West. Uh, if they can beat UNLV, that might be a game where they actually clinch the Mountain West title against UNLV. Um, the interesting part about Boise State, by the way, beating New Mexico, Max Rice had 30. Is the key to UNLV going to the NCAA tournament getting a coach's son? <laughs> like, how how is UNLV not as good as the team that's coach's son is out there as, like, their third best player or whatever Max he is? Rice is pretty good, actually. He is good. He's pretty good. He went for 30 against, yeah, he's in, like, good. I mean, New Mexico's probably not going to make it, but against a bubble team. Yeah. Like, yeah, where's the coach's son for UNLV? Kevin Kruger's kids well, are too a, young. He's a young guy. His kids are too young. <laughs> Hire somebody with a kid who's good at basketball. Let's <laughs> make it happen. Like, it's incredible to me that we're looking around and saying, ah, how'd this happen? Oh, yeah, Max Rice went for 30 in that game. So here's a fun question for you. Who has had a more disappointing second half of the season? UNLV or New Mexico? I think, well, that's tough because UNLV wasn't good in the first half of the season. They, went, they started 0-3. So. No, I mean the entire season. Oh, the like, entire season? These were two of the last, what, yeah. six or seven uh, unbeaten teams? New Mexico teams. was the last undefeated yeah, team. Yeah, they were the last the country, one. The last undefeated and team. now, they're seven and eight in the Mountain West, and they've lost two of their, or they've, excuse me, they've won two of their last eight games. Like, they were, New Mexico was ranked. You know, we beat them, by the way. New Mexico was ranked. New Mexico was like, oh, they're back. For they're, those reasons, I'm going to say New Mexico. It feels like it is, even though they have... St- had a, you know, better season. Like, New Mexico could still go to the NCAA tournament. They probably won't make it as an at-large. No. But they no. could. If they win out and lost the chan- lost the final of the Mountain West tournament, they're conceivably in the NCAA tournament, or at least in the conversation. UNLV only shot is to win the Mountain, Mountain West, West tournament. tournament. But it does feel like New Mexico's is worse just because... They were they were higher than UNLV. They were on a... No, they were... Yeah. They were ranked? Uh... Started getting those sellouts. We kept saying how you sell out the pit. It's really, really hard to go there and win. UNLV did. Um, so I, but I still say it's New Mexico, given where they were at one point in the season. New Mexico. I mean, UNLV was ten and zero, but then they started Mountain West play zero and three, and it was kind of they didn't go anywhere from there. And now this morning they are forty seven in Ken Palm and forty seven in net, which is generally speaking, yeah, going to put that's, you on the outside. That's outside. In. That's outside. Um, the interesting team to me is Utah State. Well, they're eleven and five in league, and they're they're thirty one in net, and similar in Ken Palm. They're more the bubble team. The problem is they do not have a quad one win this season. They're zero and four in quad one games, and like just comparisons, Nevada's three and five in quad one games. Even UNLV has a quad one win. The win over New Mexico is a quad one win, but Utah State has not picked up a quad one win this season, which. Uh, and the rest of the way here, they go to UNLV, which is mo- UNLV could end up as a quad one game, but most likely will not. Meaning their only chance at a quad one game is final game of the season, Boise State. It's at Utah State, but Boise State has to finish in the top 25 of net and Boise State's just on the outside of that right, right now. Meaning 
they have to beat Boise State, but Boise State also has to go on a pretty special run here. To Boise State has to beat San Diego State next week. Right. And if that doesn't happen, then Utah State will end the regular season without a quad one win. And I think it's going to be really hard, even if they're like 29 and net, 29 and Ken Palm, it might be really hard for them to get into the NCAA tournament without having a single quad one win. Yeah. Which is, when we talk about non-conference schedules, this is why it's a big deal. Because Utah State's got a good team. They've had a really good season. But their non-conference schedule, um, they did not. They played some decent teams. A lot of quad two games, though. They did not play quad one opponents. Their toughest non-conference game um, was probably Oral Roberts at home or San Francisco at a neutral site. Those aren't bad games, but when those are your best two, you've got to do something yeah, really special something in more. conference play. Yeah. Because they're having, and again, they're having a good conference season. They're 11 and five, and they're probably going to finish 12 and six in the Mountain West and have 23 wins or something like that. And that's a great season. But when you don't have anything in the non conference, you've got to be even better than that. It's got to be an even better season, and they have not shown that yet, which is, I think. Disappointing for the Mountain West because they could end up with just three teams getting in because Utah State didn't play anybody and New Mexico fell off right. the cliff. Which hurts too because New Mexico. Right now there's in. two teams in, I think. Well, I don't want to say that because Nevada might be in at this point. I don't know what I don't Nevada's boy, they're fourteen and no at home. N- Nevada should be in. Here's here's the thing. They finished with Fresno State, Wyoming, and UNLV. If they if they were to lose two of those three. They, they're probably Which on the outside looking in. I doubt they do, right? But if they were, the Fresno State and the Wyoming game are both on the road. So if they were to lose one of those two and then UNLV beats them in Reno, they they could be on they the outside looking out, yeah. in because those yeah. would all three be bad losses. Uh, Fresno State, Wyoming are both bad, and then UNLV in Reno would, would hurt Nevada pretty uh, decently. So if they were to lose two of their last three, they're probably on the outside looking in. Whereas San Diego State... They could lose their last three in New Mexico, Boise State, Wyoming. They could lose all three of those. They're still in the NCAA tournament. Right. And Boise State plays San Jose State, San Diego State, Utah State. They could lose all three of those, and Boise State's still going to be in the NCAA tournament. Seed's going to drop, but both of those teams could lose out, and they're into the NCAA tournament, whereas Nevada's still just – Nevada just needs to not blow it. They're at the point in the season where just don't Don't blow it. Don't screw it it up. And they're going to be just fine at the end of the day. Um, We had this conversation two weeks ago. EJ Harkless is still the number one player by Ken Palm's ratings in the in Mountain league. West. Who's going to win that award? That's tough because it's really hard to get player of the year for someone in eighth place. I mean, it's really hard to get player of the year. And San Diego State's a weird team. This always happens with San Diego State. Like, who do you give it to on their team? Like, they've got like seven, eight guys. It'd have to be Matt Bradley. It'd have to be, but... I don't even know what he's averaging. What, like 13 points, 14 points? Yeah, it's not. It's not, like, great. That's always the deal with their team. They're such a really good team, but they don't have, like, that one. Well, they had Malachi Flynn. I shouldn't say that a couple years ago. But they don't have a Malachi Flynn this year. Um, how how good are the numbers for Shaver for Boise? That is a good one. He And, and I think you can use, how much did they lose by in the one game they played they, without they, him? They, without him, yeah. <laughs> They lost by like 30 in the one game. Shaver this year. Oh, man. Shaver's averaging 13 and a half. Wow. 
thought he'd be more than that. Nevada doesn't have somebody averaging 15 no. or more either. They got three guys that are sort of right there at 11 to 14. And Boise State has five guys averaging double figures. Yeah, that's like that's like a San Diego State team. Good, they're <laughs> both good teams, and they both have a bunch of guys between like 10 and 13 points. Yeah, all three of the top teams in the Mountain West do not have like a truly this is our superstar player. Right. Right. And they they're good all, teams. Yeah. Like, but, wow, San Diego State's is. Matt Bradley's averaging 13. Nobody else on that team's averaging double digits. But Darian Trammell, Lamont Butler are both at nine. And then they've got like five guys at six or seven yeah. points per game. Yeah. <laughs> they just, and they, like I said, other than Malachi Flynn in the last several years, they just haven't had, hey, this guy's averaging 20 something points a game. He's an easy pick. So I don't, I mean, look, if they win the league outright, then they might give it to Bradley just because they won the league outright. I don't think they're going to win. I I think they're in a little trouble for winning the league outright. They have to go at New Mexico, at Boise. They could easily lose both of those. Then they go to home to Wyoming, who they should beat. So that's a finish for them if they lose both road games of 14-4. and four. I mean, Boise could pass them. Now, Boise's going to have to win at Utah State. That's the game. Yeah. That, that's the game for Boise State. It's at Utah State because I do think they beat San Diego State and Boise. So that's the game for Boise State at Utah State. And that, and like you said, Utah State without the quad one win, they will be up for that game. Yeah. That's, that's massive that's it. for them. If you just went strictly by points per game in conference play, because comp- player of the year is only about the conference games. You're not supposed right, to you're count. You're not supposed to count anything else. Jamal Mashburn from New Mexico leads the conference with 21.5 points per game. Elijah Harkless is second at 20.3. Omari Moore at San Jose State's third at 19. And Isaiah Stevens at Colorado State is fourth with 18 and a half. I might vote for Isaiah Stevens if I had a vote <laughs> just because of what he did to UNLV. Could you real? They, I don't think it happens, but I do think you could give the award to Mashburn or Harkless or Omari Moore or Stevens just as a, hey, the top three teams are really good, but they've got great teammates around their best players. Who's Isaiah Stevens' best teammate? I have no idea. I can't tell. Who's you. Elijah Harkless's best teammate? <sighs> I don't know. Like it's, I think th- I don't think it happens, but I do think you could say, "Hey, we're going to give it to one of the guys on the middle of the pack teams just because they were awesome. Their teammates weren't, and the top three teams had like four or five guys that all finished within two points per game of each other and didn't have a clear standout guy. It'll still end up being Matt Bradley when San Diego State wins the Mountain West Player of the Year. <laughs> yeah. It'll be Bradley. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas. Guess who's cheating at baseball, Ed? You'll never believe it. You're on the elevator up to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. All right, Ed. So far this offseason, we have had a anonymous member of the Boston Red Sox accuse the Dodgers of being the biggest cheaters in baseball and Major League Baseball catching them cheating in 2018 and not doing anything about it. We've had an anonymous Dodger say that they had a similar cheating scandal in place or cheating scheme in place that the Red Sox had when the Red Sox got in trouble in 2018. And now there's an L.A. Times story about the Dodgers hiring J.T. Watkins. J.T. Watkins was the guy suspended by Major League Baseball for one season for being the leader of the Red Sox sign stealing scheme. Um, two quotes from this LA Times story. Mookie Betts got asked about the Red Sox sign stealing in 2018, and Boots said, Yeah, everybody was. And Clayton Kershaw said about hiring JT Watkins, no matter what enhancements technology had back then, there needs to be a clear distinction between what the Astros did and what everybody else did. 
Did Clayton Kershaw just admit the Dodgers were cheating? Perhaps. <laughs> Not to the level of your Astros. Perhaps they were doing something, a little something here and there, but not to that level of the Astros. I think, well, I think Mookie Betts also insinuated it when he said everybody was. Well, here's the thing. Mookie Betts was on a team that got punished by Major League Baseball right. for cheating. Like right. that's not, that's a matter of fact at this point. That's not speculation. That's just, yes, the Red Sox got caught cheating and this guy, JT Watkins, got suspended for an entire year. So a couple things for you. Uh, I'm impressed by Clayton Kershaw's mental gymnastics because I got a quote for for you from 2020. This is like right after the Astros and Red Sox Uh, sign stealing was publicized. Kershaw said, the only thing that bothers me is the real time stuff. I'm sure a lot of teams were going up to that line, but once Houston started doing it in real time and using technology in real time, that's what separates it. So in 2020, Kershaw was mad that the Astros were using a camera to decode signs in real time and then tell the hitters in real time. The Red Sox got caught for the same thing. They were decoding signs in real time and then relaying it to the batter runner on second to then tell the hitter. So Kershaw didn't like the real-time sign stealing. Now that the Dodgers hired a guy who was doing real-time sign stealing, he loves that guy. And is like, well, that's still different from what Houston did. So he went from being mad about real-time sign stealing to not being mad about real-time sign stealing. Clayton's one of the smarter guys around. Apparently. Yes, he is. Um, also, Mookie Betts might be an idiot. <laughs> Why is Can that? I read this quote from Mookie Betts? People are trying to make it like we were cheating. Give us credit. We had a good team. Give us some credit. We had Cy Young winners. We had MVPs. We had Gold Glove winners. We had Silver Sluggers. We had all of that. Take that into account. He said people are trying to make it like we're cheating. They were. The Red Sox got caught and punished for cheating, and Mookie Betts doesn't think they were cheating? Well, I think he probably thinks that they were cheating, but they overcame it with all those great players (laughs) that they didn't have to cheat, (laughs) and yet they still did because they had such great players. Look at Danny laughing. Um... I'm trying to keep it away from any Dodger right now, Danny. Uh, yeah, he probably thought, hey, we had such great players. We didn't need to. Why did we do that? He knows they cheated. Are you sure? He said I do. people are trying to no, make I it do. like we're cheating. He, I, I don't think he believes they cheated. I think Mookie Betts is like, we didn't cheat. I wonder if it's the whole uh, talking in present versus past tense. You think he's talking about the Dodgers? Because the way the story was phrased, it was a question about the Red Sox. Well, above, though, his quote was, yeah, everybody was doing it. Yeah. So he knew they were doing it. He knew they were doing it. Here's the other thing that was fun from Mookie Betts. So the book by Evan Drellich that's coming out about all the sign stealing, uh, that book had a claim that members of the 2018 Red Sox team paid J.T. Watkins, the guy who got suspended, who was just a staff member. They paid him in 2020 when he was suspended. And Mookie Betts confirmed that. He said, we all chipped in because he did so much for us. The perception is, oh, we gave him money because, no, he was very good at his job. He was the one up at three in the morning scouting, making sure of everything we needed to do. So JT Watkins was the only member suspended. I guess Alex Cora too. But JT Watkins was the only member suspended by the Red Sox. And he wasn't even a player. And once he was suspended, 
members of that team, the players, giving him money. paid him because he couldn't make money in baseball that year. And Mookie Betts is saying, oh, we only paid him because he did such a good job, not because he helped us cheat. I don't think you're paying a guy. I mean, a lot of guys are up at 3 a.m. scouting. Right. There's a lot of guys who are scouts who are up at that hour doing their job. They paid him because they had a cheating scandal. He's this the guy took, took, the, took fall. the fall. He took the fall for And it. they felt bad. Right. Mookie Betts might be the biggest denier in the world. He doesn't think they cheated. He's like, ah, we just paid him because he did a great but job scouting. But he can scouting. hit. <laughs>